Welcome to House Call with Dr. Mack, where you get a real doc with straight talk for the whole you. It is here in the House Call community where we have created an inviting space for you to hear other individuals' healthcare stories, gain healthcare providers and experts' perspectives. It's our mission that with the knowledge you gain, you can then begin to connect your own health dots and become an intricate part of your healthcare team. And in so, you can begin to experience whole person care. So, let's get started. Let's sit down. Let's have some conversations. Let's connect these dots. Let's get some straight talk. Hey, House Call community. This season that we have, we have kicked off in the house call community is just, it's wonderful. The connections that we've made, the conversations that we're having and being able to start connecting some wonderful dots. You know, my philosophy is that we are, we need to reconnect the head to the body. We have somehow severed the head from the body. And so physiological processes, sometimes we don't begin to connect what's going on in our head, what's going on in our brains, the physiological um, processes that are going on in our brains that can really affect our bodies. So we talked about stress the first episode and what it can literally do and how it can manifest in physical signs and symptoms. We talked to Miss Julie Sajor and she told us her story about stress-induced alopecia. If you haven't heard that episode, you should go back and take a listen to that, write down some, jot down some notes for yourself and start connecting your own health dots. She had some powerful nuggets in that episode. You can also catch her YouTube channel, her Twitter, her Instagram. You can follow her. All of that is on our website. This week, we're stepping outside the box again that some people would say, well, how does this conversation have anything to do with health? I would beg to, to differ that it has everything to do with health. When you start thinking about how a family unit comes together and how all the little bits and pieces come together, and when you start creating what is called a family curriculum hidden or very distinct, it begins to manifest itself in signs and symptoms. You know, a lot of times I used to joke and say, I'm looking for the service counter. You know, I didn't get my manual when we had our kids. <laughs> but we don't realize that we're writing our own manuals, either intentionally or not. And so we went and we sat down with Dr. Althea McMillan, she has a special place in my heart, and you'll hear about that. And she talked about her research and how she came across a terminology called family curriculum. And we started unpacking that. It was a wonderful conversation. One of those conversations that make you go, hmm, how can I start implementing some things like that? How can I make sure that my little people that are entrusted in me through biology or 
are are put especially in my care are are helped and given a strong platform that they then can go and be functional adults in society it's a very powerful conversation we're going to get into that conversation in just a moment I want to take care of some housekeeping, just a, just, just a little bit of housekeeping before we do that. You know, we, we have our website that we started this summer, so go to housecallwithdrmac.com. You can join our e-newsletter by leaving us your email address. That's the community chat e-newsletter. Give us, a, um, give us some feedback, either by sending us a voicemail. When you go on the website, you'll see a little icon in the right-hand side. Or send us an email, realdoc74 at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter, realdoc74, or on Instagram, same handle, realdoc74. On iTunes and Stitcher, if you leave us a review, it makes it very easy for other people to find House Call with Dr. Mac. On Twitter, one more thing, if you find something that touched you, that helped you connect to Health Dot, when you tweet that, use the hashtag HouseCall. We can start trending that hashtag HouseCall. I think I took care of everything. Well, let's get started. Let's sit down. Let's have some conversations. Let's connect these dots. Let's get some straight talk. Welcome to House Call with Dr. Mac, where you get a real doc with straight talk for the whole you. We've had a wonderful summer in the House Call community, and now we're back with our next season. You know, it's been a, it's been a wild ride, huh? I would say so. <laughs> <laughs> and during the summer, we had the awesome privilege of having our parents. In our home. Yeah, we visited your parents. That's right. That's home, right. So. so we were able yeah. to have the, the... true summer of love. True summer of love this summer where the kids were able to enjoy both sides and get some some sage advice yes. from both sides. Mm-hmm. So, And while mom was here, mm-hmm. we started having a really interesting conversation uh, to say so the least yeah and we were sitting there and saying hey this conversation needs to be over more than just the salad uh, yeah i agree <laughs> <laughs> so I agree. we we kept her up one night mm-hmm. after the kids went to bed yeah. and we sat down and talked with our community about a family curriculum yes that was that was an interesting thesis. That, it's a new term to me, and you know, having a family. Yeah, I just love the way she said it, so I wanted to hear more about that. So, we're going to go on to that conversation with Dr. Althea McMillan. Welcome to the community, Mom. Yeah, thank you, thank you very much. I tell you, I have to say, you know, I have to have an icebreaker for myself because. I have you on the other side, and you're in your area of expertise. I have to, I think, calm my own self down (laughs) so that we can have this conversation. But we started having, we've had multiple conversations over the years. 
and have gleaned so much from you and dad and all the patriarchs and matriarchs of our family, those that are still present and those that have passed on. And the one conversation that we started having here recently was talking about a term that you've coined and it's really an interesting it's an interesting area that I really would like for us to explore so can you tell us what is that what was your thesis statement to us at the table <laughs> well first of all I didn't create the ah. term oh okay I discovered the term during my doctoral research many mm. years ago I came across the term family curriculum because of what I was interested in as a researcher working on my PhD in education. Okay. And I'm coming from a big family, being family oriented, you know, I was really turned on mm -hmm. to that uh, term. But um going back to how I got to that place. Yes. So what prompted you down that road? Okay. While I was a school principal, long before I read Tom Peters, I managed by walking around. And if you read Tom Peters, you know that's his style. Mm. You manage by walking around, not by sitting in a desk. Okay. So I refused to have them put an air conditioning unit in my office because I wanted open windows. And being from the tropics, mm -hmm. I can easily do that. Okay. So I operated with a fan so that I can hear my students with my windows open as they pass to and fro. Okay. And um, why was that important? Because I need to see them outside of the classroom. I need to hear them outside of the classroom because this helps me to understand who they really are and get a glimpse into their family situation because not everything is told or said in the four walls of the classroom. Mm. This is why I paid so much attention to playroom activity, uh, play field activity, really, okay. and having that monitored. But that, that's a whole, a whole <laughs> that, that's another <laughs> that's conversation. Another <laughs> But I watched my students. Mm -hmm. I just didn't depend on what teachers told me. Um, I taught every day, if it's just for half hour. I had my own reading group because I wanted hands-on information. Okay. So I was in that situation when I was working on my PhD. And having done the coursework, I started thinking about, well, what are you going to do your research on? You know, what's going to be your dissertation? And for a long time, I had been looking at a particular family, mother, father, two children, professional parents. Mm -hmm. And the more I looked at the children, the more excited I got and confused at the same time, because the older was uh, the girl. Mm -hmm. She was well-disciplined. She was articulate. Mm -hmm. She was a good student. She was a little lady, mm -hmm. always clean, always proper. Her brother, a few years younger, was just the opposite. 
one hour into the school day, he needed a shower. Wow. He was just jumping up and down all over the place. Wow. Cancer still, you know. And I'm one day I got so interested in the behavior and the, the extremities because he was on one end of the pole, she was on the other. Mm -hmm. So I called the mother. I said, tell me. I know they're both your children because I knew the mother as a student. Okay. How could you have two children who are so different? As we would say in my culture, like night and day. Right. She said, here's the story. With my first baby, I was in a foreign country. My husband was an ambassador. I had several servants. I'm a musician. I listen to classical music. It was the good life. Oh. I had everything at my fingertips. I didn't work outside of the house. It was just a life of leisure. I entertained, you know, my husband's colleagues and so on and so forth. She said, with the second baby, I was working full time. Mm -hmm. I couldn't afford all the household help. At the same time, I got caught up with church activities, community activities, and my life was just a merry-go-round. Wow. I didn't sit still for two minutes. So it was just a crazy situation. I didn't have time for me or for anybody else. <laughs> So this wow. second child suffered. He didn't get the attention, you know, was pregnant the first child. I would read to the child because, you know, we had studied that the, the baby can hear even while the baby is still in the womb. True, yeah. And I yeah. did my own research on that. That's another conversation. Wow. And, and you should know that yeah. from your yes. own experience. Yes. yes. <laughs> and um, so I said, wow. This is interesting. I'm going to do some work in in parenting and, and the whole idea of parents being involved in their children's education. So that's how I got down this whole path of being caught up in, in, in family life and, and, and the impact parents can have on their children's lives, even if they have no formal education. Even if they have, even no, if formal they have no formal education. And, and so I, explain that. Um, you could be, well, let me go back again to this, that same school situation. After I read Ben Carson's book, his very first book, and realized that he was an accomplished neurosurgeon, mm -hmm. son of an illiterate mother. True. I said, I have to do some more work in this area. So I made contact with Dr. Carson, and I told him, I said, I'm going to use your biography as a literature text for my grade six students. The end of the school year, I said, but wait. It would be a wonderful thing for my students to meet this physician. Right. Who was almost a dropout. Mm-hmm who had so many negative issues impacting his life, and now look where he is. So when we contacted Dr. Carson, he said, I can come and I your parents and your students, but 
I have to bring my mother. Oh, wow. Because she lives with me. Oh, and I wow. have to bring my family. There again, the word family. Yes. I have to bring my family because I'm away from them most of the week, often yes. all of the week. So when yes. I travel on the weekend, I said, no problem. This is so important to us as a school family. We will make this happen. Wow. And I also wanted to have my parents see that you don't have to know trigonometry mm -hmm. to see mm -hmm. that your child does trigonometry. Right, right. Because his mother couldn't read, but she insisted on the perfect family curriculum. Okay. Possibly having never heard the word curriculum in her life, she had what we would call a hidden curriculum. Okay. At that point, I had not yet come across the term. Okay, I'm, I'm going to stop you at this point, and, and we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna do some backtracking. So when, you, when most people hear the word curriculum, mm -hmm. they think it should only be used in an academic setting, dealing with school or, you know, ed early education or, you know, traditional a school setting or secondary school where you're talking about something written or there is some type of structure and it's dealing with school. So how are we talking about a curriculum when we're talking about family? Because most people think of my family as who I live with, who I consider close to me, um, who's in my, my core. You know, we get up, we do X, Y, and Z through a day. You know, there's school year activities, there's summer activities. But you're now saying that the family unit, this little nucleus, has a curriculum. Yes, it does. And let's get back to the whole matter of education. Home is the first school. Hmm. And it will be your school for life. You may change place of residence, but you will always have a home. Hmm. And in, at home, we have deliberate learning and incidental learning. Okay. And at home, this is where the, the teaching learning begins. Because remember now, learning begins at conception. Hmm. As soon as you conceive as a mother, you begin to teach your child. Okay. And it doesn't matter the type of home. It doesn't matter where the home is. This happens. Now, this didn't hit me until I was finished having my children. <laughs> <laughs> but I thank God every day for the, for, for the product. See, because at home, we follow a curriculum and we have a product, just as the teacher does. But at home, I have the advantage because I have teachable moments that the teacher would only dream of. Mm-hmm. The situation arises in a home when a child asks a question pertinent to that child's growth and development. Right. Those moments won't occur in a classroom. Hmm. Teachers wish they had them to capitalize on them, but they right. don't. Parents have those moments. Usually, you're too busy to respond as a parent. You're cooking, you're cleaning the car, you're mowing the lawn, and you put the child off, and you miss that 
moment and it won't come back. Now, children will continue to ask questions, but when it's not, when the home does not provide the atmosphere for the appropriate learning at the appropriate time, they go elsewhere to get the knowledge. So now let, let's 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 linger on this hidden versus written or deliberate curriculum, family curriculum. I don't know of any family with a completely written curriculum as they do in school where it's mandatory. Okay. The government requires that you have one. Mm -hmm. Some parents talk about what they want to do okay. long before they have children. So is that what you classify as a hidden curriculum? Yes and no, because if it's articulated if it's there's if there's an understanding, if there's a mutual agreement, it's somewhat deliberate. It's just okay. that it's not on paper. Okay. Hidden is when things just evolve. We have no plan. You know, I'm doing this as we would say by the seat of my pants. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I may incorporate some things I saw as I was growing up. Right. But we don't really have a game plan. So those are hidden curriculum. That's a hidden curriculum. Okay. Now, a written curriculum or a deliberate cur curriculum. And, and with each, you're going to get results. Mm. So you're saying that you're going to have an outcome. Mm -hmm. So you either make it deliberate or it will evolve. It will. And you, it may not evolve into what you had ever envisioned at all and then you see as parents we have we have the first seven years when we can do the best good now we teach for life because we are parents for life mm -hmm. but those first seven years we, we we need to take advantage of because of what happens with that child's brain and, and the way learning takes place during those years, you know. And I'm sure you can remember some things when you were three years old, five years old, you know. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. So many times we say, oh, we know we'll, we'll wait later. They can't understand. Mm. We underestimate yes. a child's ability to, to comprehend. Right, right. I, 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 when you say that, I, I, re, I, again, I recall a conversation I had with a pediatrician, um, um, a pediatrician, but she, she worked in the NICU at the last hospital I was, and she made a statement about how children really can learn a second language, oh, learn yes. other languages oh, yes. a lot sooner mm -hmm. than we we tell we teach them. And she says, "Oh, a, a three-year-old could learn several languages." Several. And I remember having that conversation with her and saying, you know, you are so right. And again, not having a deliberate curriculum mm -hmm. in mind, mm -hmm. but having it kind of in the back of my head, remembering the family at church where the father has his native tongue is French. 
So he only spoke French to his children until they were about three years old. And then he taught them English. And then he has, um, then he taught them Spanish. So by the time they were in first grade, they had three, three languages. languages. Mm-hmm. And we sit there and marvel and, that's just and go, touching oh. the surface because the human brain is capable of so oh, much so more. So much more. It, so much more, especially now in the emerging field of neuroplasticity, and we're talking about how we can even reprogram mm-hmm, our brains mm-hmm. because they're looking at stroke victims mm-hmm. and how do they learn how to reuse a limb? How do we learn how to re? How do how do they learn how to talk again? How to communicate um, again? I know I'm digressing, but I just recently heard on NPR there was a speech pathologist that was using music with her stroke victims yes, to reteach yes, them yes. language yes. because she was. Bypassing a certain circuitry in the brain, mm-hmm. teaching them with music, and eventually they could say their words without the song, sing song type of wording. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we need to realize as parents and even as the guardians and people in a family community mm-hmm. that there is a true curriculum. There is, there is. And, um, we we need to be more deliberate about what happens in the family. We are so deliberate about what we do outside. We make adequate preparation mm. for what we're going to do outside, and 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 treat the family as as a second class entity, for want of a better term. And really and truly. The family is the most important societal unit. doesn't matter what country. It doesn't matter your socioeconomic status. The family is the most important societal unit. Everybody in the world belongs to a family. Mm. You may not be a Rotarian. You may not be a member of the Lions Club. But you are a member of the family. And that is still and will always be the most important unit in society. And I think if more of our communities in more of our countries would understand the importance and the role of the family and what should happen in the family, what should be the curriculum (laughs) in the family, Mm -hmm. when your child leaves home to go to college, what is the exit test? Will your child be able to pass or fail? I like that. I like that a lot. And that happens as a result of your curriculum, whether it was hidden or deliberate. As parents, sometimes we don't like what we see, but we have to blame ourselves. Wow. Now, there was a time when you could chalk it up to ignorance. Now, there's no excuse Mm -hmm. because there's so much research. Exactly. The so, body of knowledge is so, so wide, great. There's no excuse. So how do we help? The One of the reasons we're having this conversation is because one of my foundational philosophies personally is that if you don't have a good foundation, then you cannot be functional, a functional adult in society. Mm-hmm. And so... What happens is as I was in clinical practice and I would see patients come through, I would be able to identify, well, the real reason you're coming to talk to me about your pelvic pain Mm -hmm. is because there's something else that's going on. Mm -hmm. 
And in doing that, I've come to realize that, you know, the the little books that we used to have when we were kids that had the connect the dots? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You could kind of see the picture, but Mm -hmm. not really until you connected all all the dots. dots. Mm -hmm. So one of the passions I have is helping people connect their health dots, helping people connect the whole person so you can see whole person care. And I believe that when we go back and sit down and talk about foundational items such as this, this helps to kind of fill in and start connecting these dots so that you can have a functional person that doesn't deal with chronic pain syndrome, that doesn't deal with some other things that manifest as physical symptoms, which started... When the root cause is not is physical, not physical at all. So how do, what tools can we give a, a family that's listening? How can they start where they are right now and say, do I have a deliberate curriculum or do I have a hidden curriculum? And if I have a hidden curriculum, how can I make it deliberate? Conversation with your spouse. That's where it starts. Now, if you're already married, it means you didn't have the conversation before marriage, but it's never too late to have the conversation. You may already have children, but you can stop right now and have a conversation. What have we done so far? What is especially good about what we have done so far? What do we like about what we have done so far with our parenting? Okay. What are some of the things that we are not pleased with? Why are we having difficulties in certain areas? Whether it's, it's the eating pattern, whether it's the, the linguistic development. What, what are the problems we are having with our children? Why, why are some areas weak and some areas strong? What are the goals? What do we want for our family? Mm-hmm. What's, what's going to be on the exit test? This is it. You want to give society a good product. You want to give society individuals who are well-rounded, mm-hmm. who have engaged in critical thinking at home, at the dinner table, where the best conversation is supposed to take place under very pleasant circumstances. Never mind whether the meal is one course or two or three or or whatever. But mealtime is the best time to deal with the linguistic aspect of your curriculum as a family. Yes, yes. Give your children an opportunity to talk to you and you talk to them in a non-threatening, very pleasant tones. It's never time for argument at the dinner table. It discourages digestion. All right. And then... Once you've had the conversation as parents, you're going to model what you teach. What you're trying to teach, you model. Right. Because those angels called your children are watching and learning. All the time. Sponges. They absorb everything, the good, bad, and the different. All of it. The in-between. All of it. All of it. So have the conversation, determine what it is that you want, and then set out to do that. You're going to slip and fall and slip and fall, but you have to remind each other. Mm -hmm. Have some short-term goals, some long-term goals. All right. And then what we did very early, even though we didn't know what we were doing as new parents, but we just got divine wisdom to, to talk to our children every day. 
So we had regular conversations planned, deliberate every evening after supper. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Every evening after yeah. supper. Then as they grew older, we called them family councils. Okay. We'd have them once or twice per month. We still have them even though the nest is empty. Hmm. We still have them no longer than last night. Wow. And our grandson came up, Reynold came up and he wanted to know, Grandpa explained to him, well, this is our budget for August and this is this and that is that. And he had his first lesson. (laughs) (laughs) So conversation is important. That's one of the things killing the modern family. Yes. We pass like ships in the night. Right, right. We're so busy trying to make a living and plan for the children's future that we do not enjoy a now. And you have to learn to live as you go with what you have and really truly live as you go. Yes, yes. So that you are giving them important pegs on memory's wall. That they can hang things on. Each peg is like a learning tree. Well, my father did this every Sunday morning, and my mother did this every Friday evening, and, and, and traditions carry an important part of that curriculum, family traditions. Every evening, there's a, something planned. Now, if, if, if you can't sit to the table and do something every evening, okay, once per week this happens. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, but you have, you have to start somewhere. And do not use anything as an excuse because you see when you when you when you rank certain important things in your life, you know, your religious life, your 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 personal development, your uh educational goals, whatever it is, where does your family fit in? Hmm. Is it number one, number two, or number ten on a scale of one to ten? And once you decide the importance of your family, then most things will fall in line, you see. So once you begin and you make a deliberate effort, it all falls into place. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm trying to see our time here. This isn't the sterile show. 30 minutes. <laughs> Because we, we, we're getting some good conversation here. We're getting some good conversation. I, I We're, we're going to start winding down, and I want you to think of a tip of the day to give our, our community, is what we usually do before we go. But I want to... I want to I want to touch on one thing before before we get there. We were talking about the ranking. Mm-hmm. And... You made us. You made a point when we were talking off air before about how you talk to the women in our community. When you talk about the ranking, you talk about where do you rank your relationship with God, with you know um, your family. You know where do you put yourself? Mm-hmm. And so, can you touch a little bit on that? Well. I love to start with that, with that. I call it a quiz for want of a better term. When I'm talking to parents, I call it a quiz. Okay. Um, and I put God at the top. And I may put child, work, church, you know, 
family, parents, work, you know, mm -hmm. and I ask them to rank. Okay. Based on how they perceive each one. We don't fuss over the first one. God is number one in my life. All right. But we begin to fight as soon as we get to number two. <laughs> Should it be spouse, children, work? Those three we fight over for number two, usually. When I deal with pastoral families, without fail, they, most of them will put church mm. as number two. My husband is married to the church. Wow. Professional people, I need my job because mm -hmm. I need that to take care of my family. Well, if you don't have a family, you really don't have anybody to take care of. So you go get the three jobs and when you come, there's nobody home because the police has carried them all. Mm -hmm. So what good is this money? Wow. So we talk about that and we talk about that sometimes. We, we can't get any further. But I say, especially to women, after God mm -hmm. is you. It's not spouse. It's not children. It's not job. And then the fight begins all over again. <laughs> I can't put myself before my children come first, my husband come first. And my response is, if you are no good to you, you can't be any good to anybody else. Yes. You have to be spiritually fit. You have to yes. be mentally fit. You have to be physically fit. You have to be emotionally fit to take care of your spouse and your children. So if I spend one hour in the morning before my family is up and about, taking care of me and my needs. I talk to God. I read. Yeah. And I should be reading three items at the same time. One for self-actualization. One for intellectual stimulation. One for fun. I must have those three volumes by me all the time. And depending on the mood I am any, any given day, I know what to pick up. But I have to feed this. So that when my family gets up one hour later, I'm ready for them. I'm the best wife. I'm the best mother. I'm the best neighbor. I'm the best friend. Because I have fallen in love with me to the point that I fix me. And too many mothers, sad to say, fail right here. Mercy. They need a good dose of love for me as a person. All of me. Wow. My color, my size, my shape, my mm -hmm. idiosyncrasies, mm -hmm. my gifts, whatever it is that I've been given, I have to fall in love with me. Love me to the point that I'm going to fix me so that I can be of some use to my family. And then when I get to my job, if I'm working out, I can move the world because I've done what I needed to do and that is lay the foundation. So it's God, me, and that's biblical. Wow. You can't love anybody more than you love yourself. The Bible says as, not more than. Wow. Wow. I got that nearly 30 years ago and it was divine inspiration. Divine inspiration.
nearly 30 years ago. And so I buy my gift first. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> Birthday, Christmas, whatever. Yes, ma'am. Wow. We have had a powerful conversation in the community today. And next, next time, next topic, we're going to have to pick up. Because we even touched on families that we touched on um, single parent environments. Mm-hmm. And you talked about that. So we need to go back and, and revisit that as well and how they have a curriculum and how they can put in other factors to support their family, their family nucleus That's and right. structure. And support is available. It is. It is. So have you thought of a tip of the day to give our community? Discover what it is that you can give your family that nobody else can. Mm-hmm. I, I hate to see parents having a million regrets. You have something to offer your family. Discover what it is and get busy giving it to them so that you can give the world a good product. Well, community, you have your marching orders. We have been in the community with our mother, our matriarch, one of the matriarchs of our family, author. You guys, we're going to put it up in our description. She is a author of the book Definitions of Love, Practical Tips for Demonstrating Love as Family, Professionals, and Members of Society. We'll send you a link on where you can find it online at Amazon. And it is a wonderful book that has expounded on the principles found in 1 Corinthians 13. So guys, till we meet back here in the community, we'll see you next time. Bye now.